All right, so we are in week two of our, uh, our series that we just started, the God Is series. And um, last week we talked about the fact that God is for you. Was anybody really ministered to last week through that message? Encouraged? God is for you. God is for you. We want to live with the assumption that no matter what I'm doing, what's happening in my life, that God, you're for me. You're for me. You're for me. This week, we're talking about how God is with you. God is with you. Um, and so uh, we're just going to start by reading uh, a passage of scripture, Psalm 23. We'll have this up on the screen. I want to read this to you. The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. He guides me along the right paths for his namesake. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely your goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Psalm 23, Psalm of David. Uh, Even though I walk through the darkest valley, the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for you are with me. God is with you. God is with you. That's what we're talking about today. And we see this statement, this promise of God throughout the scriptures so many different times. So many, there's so many different I am with you verses, and we'll read a few of them today. Uh, but so often, the statement that God is with you is accompanied by, or it accompanies the command to not fear, to not be afraid. But so often, God speaks to human fear, the fear that we experience in our lives for whatever reason, with the comfort of I am with you. And so you can take that slide down. I, I want to talk a little bit about fear as we get uh, started today. Uh, who, is anybody here, you love horror movies or haunted houses? Anybody? Just raise your hand and reveal your, your, how crazy and weird you are for liking this kind of stuff. My goodness! Oh, in the world, I can't stand it. I had, I went to, a, I've been to some haunted houses in my life. I, I went to a haunted house when I was like fifth, fifth or sixth grade, maybe. It was with my family. We were out of town. I think we were on a, a trip with another family. We went to this haunted house, and and I remember uh, there were, we walked in, and there were these people with masks on shooting. Uh, remember super soakers? They were big when I was growing up. Shooting these super soakers across the room, and a guy shot me with a super soaker. I think I yelled some derogatory thing at him. It's kind of a punk when I was ten or eleven years old, and then. Later on in the haunted house, that same guy, they, they were people, they had chainsaws without the chains on them. Big haunted house thing, all right? Chainsaws without the chain. That guy cornered me in this hallway and was like, hey, kid, you better watch who you call or whatever. And he, I was like, I was all talking like, hey, man, at first when I sprayed me. But then he's standing over me with a chainsaw, and I'm literally on the ground, 11 years old, going like, ah, don't out. You know, this is a very real moment in my life. Maybe that's why I don't like haunted houses. There might be a core memory that I'm exposing right now on the stage before you all, a trauma, a moment of trauma that I need Jesus to go back and and reveal that he was with me. God, you know, God was with you even in the hard times. (laughs) I'm circling, circling back on that one. Fear, it's a powerful, powerful thing. Uh, Can I tell you a little bit about the science of fear? I am a scientist and I know some things. I, uh, this is, I'm actually going to read something to you from Science World. 
Um, it's a website, but basically this is where, where you'd see in a, you know, just about any scientific article or, or resource around uh, fear and how it works in your brain and in your body. Uh, here it is. Fear comes from the brain, where when people encounter something that frightens them, the hypothalamus in the brain reacts by releasing a series of chemicals to the sympathetic nervous system and the adrenal cortical system. In the sympathetic nervous system, signals are sent out to release stress hormones like adrenaline. These kick the body into high gear so it becomes tense and alert. At the same time, the adrenal cortical system is also secreting hormones to other parts of the body, which instigates a series of, of remarkable changes to occur almost instantaneously. Heart rate and blood pressure increase. Pupils dilate to take in as much light as possible. Non-essential systems, such as the immune system and digestion, turn themselves off, though sometimes they might turn themselves on for a quick moment. Um, you know, if a guy's standing over you with a chainsaw, I'm just kidding, nothing happened. Um, to allow more energy to go towards emergency function. And veins in the skin constrict, which keeps blood in the major muscle groups. It'll become difficult to focus on small tasks since your brain is preoccupied with fear. Altogether, this is known as the fight or flight response, a way to kick the body into high gear, putting all senses on high alert, allowing for quick reactions. Any scientific people in the house, uh, that sounds correct to you, right? That's what's happening. Yes, thank you. Thank you. I see those hands. Amazing. Fact check moment. Fear is a powerful thing. Uh, and it's not a bad thing, right? It's a defense mechanism. It's what kept your ancestors alive when they were facing very real threats in the wild, such as a bear. I started giving unsolicited advice on surviving a bear attack in the 9 a.m., and I realized I probably shouldn't be doing that, so I won't. Because uh, I don't want your last thought to be like, Rob was wrong. <laughs> he told me to run. <laughs> the bear's faster. <laughs> Climb a tree, you'll be fine. There we go. <laughs> Fear's not a bad thing, right? Like those, those, so many of those um, automatic reactions in your body are there to allow you to shift into a mode where you can react and potentially save your life. Maybe a, a, in our modern world, we're not facing a lot of threats in the wild on a daily basis. But have you ever had the moment like where you had a near miss in traffic and you did something really quick and agile with the steering wheel and you're like, and you went, wow, how did I just, I'm amazing at driving. How did I just do that? Did everybody see that? I just did a full, I, we drifted around the... <laughs> The curve, and then I, I ended up right back in our lane. That is most likely luck, angels, and your body's systems shifting into a zone where you're able to, to move faster, honestly, than you can think, right? Um, and so it's, it's, it's not a bad thing. It's a powerful thing that allows us to, um, uh, to survive um, in a wild world, um, there are people in the world who feel no fear. Um, and uh, I actually read an article about a woman who has a degenerative brain disease where part, the part of her brain that would make her feel fear is inactive. And that's not a good thing, right? This is, they were saying like she, would, uh, she could like pick up a snake and not be afraid or walk through an alley in the middle of the night and not think anything of it. And it's like, those are bad. You, fear is your friend in those moments, right? Um, so if you've ever thought, I wish I didn't feel fear. I wish I was immune to fear. Um, there are also, uh, you know, people who maybe it's not a, a biological or physiological um, issue, but maybe something uh, mental or psychological that is um, 
hindering that fear response that once again, it's not necessarily a strength. Fear can be your friend. And it's there to, um, to keep you alive in this crazy world. But fear uh, can also be a powerful force that can rule your life if you don't let it, or if you let it. And um, I want to talk a little bit about what it looks like to live free of the rulership of fear in your life. Another article I read uh, from Psychology Today talks about five basic fears. I'm going to share this with you. This is kind of interesting. Um, five basic fears that, that all, this person is saying that all fears can get summed into these five different categories. The first is extinction. It's a fear of death, but even beyond that, a fear of annihilation or ceasing to exist. It gets a little existential. Um, so any sort of existential anxiety that one might feel can fall into that category. Mutilation is the second. This is a, any part of your body being injured or like if you have a fear of snakes or animals or insects, like that, that actually falls into that category. Loss of autonomy is the fear of being immobilized or paralyzed, restricted, enveloped, entrapped, imprisoned. Even uh, claustrophobia would fall into this category. You realize, I'm realizing as I read these, like, yep, yep, that's there. They got that one. Uh-huh. Separation is the fourth. This is the fear of abandonment, rejection, or loss of connectedness. Becoming a non-person, not wanted, respected, or valued by anyone else. Um, so this is a, a, a relational, others-oriented fear. And then the fifth is, this is interesting, ego death. The fear of humiliation, shame, or any other mechanism of profound self-disapproval that threatens the loss of integrity of the self. Interesting. Do all fears get summed into these five? I don't know, but that's, those are at least interesting categories um, to think through. Fear is essentially a universal human experience. And we see it throughout the scriptures. It's all over the place, the call of God, do not fear, do not fear. Some have said that it's, it appears 365 times in the Bible. One, you could read the verse, one for every single day. I read some other places that it's more like 350 or something like that, so maybe that's not quite exactly right, but it says it a lot of times. It's important enough that God or angels, whoever, have to say, don't be afraid to the hearer over and over throughout the scriptures. And so often, like we just read in Psalm 23, it is accompanied by the statement, I am with you. I am with you. It seems that in a lot of ways in our life where fear is threatening to rule our lives and direct our action and decision-making, the antidote to fear is an awareness of the presence of God an awareness of the fact that God is with you is the answer to the person struggling with fear. I'm with you. We see it uh, multiple times throughout the scriptures. I want to I throw a few of these scriptures up for us. Joshua 1.9. This is, this is just a few times where we see, um, we see some of this concept come through. This is the calling of Joshua at the beginning of the book of Joshua. Joshua takes over from Moses and leads the Israelites into the promised land. And God says, have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. Joshua, this moment is a big deal. Uh, part of that passage is God is saying, hey, you're going to go to a place you've never been before. 
And that's, that's like a big, that's an important concept, I think, for us. You've never been this way before. So often transitions, stepping out into something new, the unknown presents, it, it, it makes fear arise in us. And God's word to Joshua is be strong and courageous. You're going to lead the people of God where they've never been before. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. Moses says the same thing to Joshua at the end of Deuteronomy in chapter 31, where he essentially says, this is after Moses dies, but before Moses dies, um, Moses says to Joshua in front of all the people, be strong and courageous. Don't be afraid. The Lord your God will be with you. Now let's go to the next passage. Isaiah 41.10. So do not fear, for I am with you. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. Let's do the next one. Jeremiah, I love this. This is the calling of Jeremiah at the beginning of his ministry as a prophet of God in his day. The word of the Lord came to me saying, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I set you apart. I appointed you as a prophet to the nations. Alas, sovereign Lord, I said, I don't know how to speak. I'm too young. But the Lord said to me, do not say I'm too young. You must go to everyone I send you to and say whatever I command you. Do not be afraid of them. It's that fourth fear. For I'm with you and I will rescue you, declares the Lord. There's a peace that comes with the presence of God. There's a peace that comes with an awareness that God is with us. Fear, worry, and anxiety, they don't always go away, but they can be overshadowed by a greater awareness of God's goodness and God's presence. Let's read from Exodus chapter 3. I'm going to share with you a little bit about uh, picking back up Moses' story. We talked about Moses last week and and. Um, and the idea of God being for you, Moses found himself in the middle of nowhere, and he was, he was making statements about his life by the way he named his firstborn child. If you missed that sermon, go back and watch it. He was coming to conclusions and interpreting his own life prematurely, and here we are as he's getting ready to enter the next chapter of his life, um, as God calls him. Now Moses was tending the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian, And he led the flock to the far side of the wilderness and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. There the angel of the Lord appeared to him in flames of fire from within a bush. Moses saw that though the bush was on fire, it did not burn up. So Moses thought, I will go over and see this strange sight, why the bush does not burn up. When the Lord saw that that he had gone over to look, God called to him from within the bush, Moses, Moses. And Moses said, here I am. Do not come any closer, God said. Take off your sandals for the place where you're standing is holy ground. Then he said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. At this, Moses hid his face because he was afraid to look at God. I wonder if anybody, there's a fear even around intimacy with God or the, the presence of God is meant to free us from fear. But if, but if you're afraid of God, that thought might even produce more anxiety. But the revelation of God's love and his goodness is you don't have to be afraid of him. He's not here to punish you. He's not here to judge you. He's not here to shame you. He's here to give you freedom. Richard Rohr says, I love this quote from Richard Rohr. He says, God is far different than we thought and better than we feared. He's better than we feared. Oh, I don't have to be afraid 
of God. What? That's an existential crisis, right? And for so many people, many who don't believe in God, or even some who do, there's a, they live with the shame of, of what I've done or whatever that, that blocked us from God's movement towards us. Verse 7, the Lord said, I've indeed seen the misery of my people in Egypt. I've heard them crying out because of their slave drivers, and I'm concerned about their suffering. So I've come down to rescue them from the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up out of that land into a good and spacious land, a land flowing with milk and honey, the home of the Canaanites, Hittites, Amorites, Perizzites, Hivites, and Jebusites. And then we have one more slide. So now go. And I'm with Jebusites. Wow, that's a great passage, Rob. Thanks for reading that whole thing. Just so now go. I'm sending you to Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. God's calling Moses in this moment, commissioning him. But Moses said to God, who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt? And God's response to this question is, I will be with you. If we can stop there. I will be with you. Who am I to do this thing that you're saying I'll do? And God says, I will be with you. So the statement, I am with you, is a comfort in our fear for the person, you can take the slide down, for the person who is, who is struggling with just fear in your life. Am I going to make it? Am I going to survive? What's going to happen next? I'm stepping out into the unknown or some things are happening. There's a lot of uncertainty in my life. Maybe some very real threats are taking place in your life. There are people around the world and in our own midst who are dealing with some really scary stuff. This is not a message saying, don't ever feel fear. You're wrong if you feel fear. You're not following Jesus if you feel... No, no. There's a good reason for fear in many situations in life, right? So comfort comes from God saying, I'm, I'm with you. I'm with you. No matter what happens, I'm with you. But then here we are, and there's a moment of calling and commissioning that seems beyond Moses. And the answer for that feeling of thing that I feel called to do or I desire to do or I'm dreaming of in my heart or in my life, that thing feels so much bigger than me, feels so beyond me. God's word to that is, I will be with you. If you feel inadequate, if you feel too young, Jeremiah, too inexperienced, if you feel like you're not enough, you're not good enough, you're not strong enough, smart enough, tall enough, whatever. God says, I'm with you. I'm with you. And in fact, if, if you are stepping into something that feels beyond you, that's good. Good. That means that you are taking steps of faith. You're taking steps of risk. I think that often means that you're choosing to live a life that's really worth living, right? And not just hunkering down and, and, and trying to stay in survival mode. And that, that's what fear does, right? Fear tempts us to just survive. And there's so, there, like I said, throughout history and throughout your ancestors, and for many people in the world, survival is still the thing that, like, was at the forefront or is at the forefront. But for so many of us, actually, whether you feel it or not, you're going to make it through the thing that you're in, through the season that you're in. You're going to be able to pay those bills. 
And if you can't, then, you know, you can sell your car or something. Like, you're going to make it, right? Like, there's, there's, there will be a solution within reach. You're not going to just, you're not going to, you're not going to hit that, that annihilation fear, right? The first one. Like, you're not going to just game over, not make it because the job didn't work out, actually, right? Now, it can feel like, it can be a big risk if you're making a big job change and moving cities and that kind of stuff. Like, that's big stuff, right? And there's, of course, stuff at stake. Um, But for so many of us, like, you'll make it, but fear would tempt us to, in our hearts and minds and and in our decision-making, never venture beyond survival, I just, I believe that, that you're here for more than that, right? And so, in the same way that, that God's promise of I'm with you comes and speaks to our fear, it also comes with the commission. So often when God is calling somebody to step into something new, I'm with you is part of that commission, and there's a necessary transition for us who are following Jesus. We must at some point transition from fear to faith. Faith doesn't mean the absence of fear. Faith doesn't mean that you're free of fear. Faith, faith doesn't mean that there's no fear in your life. It just means that in the face of fear, you're choosing to trust God. And you're, you're picking which voice you're going to listen to. That's it. And then acting on the voice you're choosing to listen to, and then continuing to proceed with that voice. And it's a constant, it's a battle, right? And it's a constant rechecking in. And if you've ever taken a big risk or a big step, so often that the initial step, you're like, I've got faith, I'm going for it. And then like, you have to daily come back to that place of faith, right? Because fear, fears they're knocking on the door so often when you wake up in the morning. Anybody, am I talking to anybody right now? And you have to daily get back to a place of faith. You have to daily get back to like, oh yeah, God, he's real. Okay, great. Oh yeah, Jesus loves me. Oh yeah, he's, he's providing for me. And, so, and, and it's, there's a discipline of faith that must take place if we're going to walk and live a life bigger than ourselves. There's a, there's a phrase that Jesus uses in the Gospels, uh, oh, you of little faith. He says it multiple times. Dallas Willard actually says that Jesus probably made up this word. And it's a, it's a noun. It's one Greek word. And it's, it's like, it actually is, oh, you little faiths. It's like a noun. Hey, little faith. That's <laughs> what he's calling them. Hey, you little faiths. He uses it five different times in the Gospels, four times in the book of Matthew. The first is the Sermon on the Mount when uh, he's saying, you don't have to worry about what you eat or what you wear. God clothes the birds in the air, the flowers in the field, or feeds the birds, clothes the, the flowers. How much more will he clothe you, oh, you little faiths? You don't have to worry. You don't have to worry if you're going to make it. He says it again in the boat when the storm comes and he, he, they wake him up and he goes and he quiets the wind and the waves. And he says, why were you afraid, oh, you little faiths? When Peter walks on the water and begins to sink and Jesus pulls him back in the boat and he says, he says why did you doubt, oh, oh, you little faith? And the final time in Matthew is when they, um, they're on a boat again. A lot of this happens on boats. Boats can be scary. Okay, right? And so Fear threatens on the boat. And like a storm on the Sea of Galilee could take a boat down. So it's not an unwarranted fear. And these were fishermen, many of them. They know what can happen. They're going, we shouldn't be out here right now. And so there's one moment, though, where they're on a boat. They're going across the lake. Jesus uses a a metaphor of leaven in teaching them. They think he's talking about bread. They go, oh, no, you were supposed to get the bread. I didn't get the bread. And they start freaking out because they don't have bread. And Jesus is going, you're going to be fine. I'm not even talking about bread. Oh, you little faiths. There's this, uh, 
we can be so consumed with, do I have what I need? 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 And is it, is it a demeaning phrase, you little faiths? I don't know. It's accurate so often. Like, I have some faith. I have some, am I a little faith? Am I one of the, oh, you little faiths? I've got enough to get in the boat. I'm here with Jesus, right? I'm, I'm on the journey, but here I am worried about the bread, worried about the wind, worried about if I'm going to sink. And over and over, and Jesus is going, you're going to be all right. You're going to be all right. You're going to be all right. Finally, in Matthew 28, the end of the Gospel of Matthew, the Great Commission, Jesus says, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. And surely, I am with you always to the very end of the age. They needed to hear it. They needed it. I need it. You need it to hear again. And there's no shame in needing God to speak to you again. There's no shame in needing reassurance that God is with you. That's good. In fact, knowing that you need it might be the first step in developing like a daily prayer life. I I'm following God into uncharted territories, and I know that tomorrow I'm going to need to hear him again. Say, hey, I'm with you. I'm with you. I know that the next day I'm going to need to hear his voice again. Say, I'm with you. I'm with you. Fear is a powerful thing. It's a powerful thing, and if we let it, it, it can be what fuels our, our powerful imaginations. And when fear fuels your imagination, that's so often where worry and anxiety come from. Because I'm imagining a future scenario going wrong. And I'm brilliant. I am so creative and brilliant when it comes to imagining horrible scenarios in the future. And so are you. Congratulations. Your anxiety tells me you're smart. You're brilliant. You're creative. You've got a great mind, great brain. The question is, what, what am I allowing to fuel that imagination? Is it fear or is it faith? Um, we, had a, we had a moment earlier this week of celebrating the birthday of Caroline Shandell, one of our pastors, Caroline, one of our pastors here at Grace Midtown. She had a birthday this week. And one thing that somebody said in celebrating her was that, Caroline, you're such a person of faith, which she is. And, uh, and then this person went on to say, um, you know, you've, you live by and you've encouraged so many other people to live by this idea of, of what if it all goes right? What if it all goes right? Maybe you've heard that phrase before. What if you all, it all goes right? And that's just stuck with me this week. What if it all goes right? Catastrophizing is the what if it all goes wrong, right? And we do that. I mean, anybody just want to confess, I'm a catastrophizer. I don't want to put that identity on you. I have a tendency to catastrophize. Anybody want to, want to just own that? Hey, I catastrophize. I do it. Okay, okay, that's great. You're very, you have a brilliant mind. You're great. I'm, in, I'm inventing a new word. I have to read it because I always, I don't know if I'm going to say it right. I created this word. Fantastifizing. This is my new word. I want to be a fantastifizer. I want to imagine what if it all goes right? What if it all comes together? What if God works it all together for my good? Right? Throw back to last week. What if all the factors come together? What if there's a miracle? What if the impossible happens? What if a dream comes true? What if God comes through? 
Fantastifizing. I could put, you're going to put your energy into something, one thing or another, right? And at the end of the day, you're probably going to be, you'll probably be eating something this time next year. It may not be the quality of food that you're wasting your money on right now. Might have to, you know, you might be in a little more of a survival mode if things go wrong, but you're probably going to be okay. That's the point I'm making, right? Sometimes a catastrophizing moment is good to know what's the worst case scenario. What's the worst thing that can happen here? If I take this job, if I say yes to this opportunity, if I take this, what's the worst that can happen? I think that can be healthy because then you know, all right, that's the worst that can happen. And you can know, here's what I'll do if the worst thing. Okay, so you got that. Then don't dwell on it. Put it over, toss that over here. Then you start fantastifizing, baby. (laughs) You with me? Catastrophize for a moment. Don't waste your energy replaying that, though. Let's start fantastifizing. Let's start imagining what could it look like? What could it look like if I imagine God being with me when I get there? With me when the plane touches down. With me when I get to the other side of the lake. With me when I step out into the unknown. This is the promise throughout Scripture. If we don't let faith begin to drive, we end up living a life that's far too small and actually far too about ourselves. Faith at some point will call you to look beyond yourself. And sometimes I think we don't hear God's voice in that because we're not even able to listen. We're too wrapped up in our own voices worried about what's going to happen next. If I begin to to trust that he's taking care of my basic needs, I might just hear him giving me a vision of a future that I couldn't have imagined and then calling me to walk with him into that. I'm going to invite the band to come up. And um, we're just going to, you can stand with us. We're going to respond by bringing ourselves, bring our fears, bring all of that into this moment. And let's create a little bit of space to tell God that we trust him and maybe even hear him speak to us in this moment. We'll have ministry team available back here. We have communion around the room that you can come and take even as a, a, as a message to yourself and to God of, of you. God is with you and you are with him and communing with him in this way. Jesus, we trust you. We love you. We thank you. You speak a better word of faith, of presence. I pray that for the person really struggling with fear in a debilitating way today that you would, you would minister in this moment and speak, uh, speak peace. Breathe. Breathe like you breathed in the upper room on us and speak peace into our fear. For the one living in a constant state of fight or flight, living with the constant chemicals being released in our bodies, seizing us up because our mind is running wild. Would you come and put a hand on us? Bring peace. Calm the waters. Speak to the wind and the waves on the inside of us. Tell us you're with us. You love us. You've got us. In Jesus' name, amen.